my life, Lord, be glorified. <laughs> Brother Rich is retired, and now he's, he serves to be one of those holders of drinks for those that are traveling. <laughs> uh, in my life, Lord, be glorified. It's interesting when we stop and think about how we can glorify the Lord. Because it's easy to glorify God when everything's good. When, when work is easy, when you've got money in your bank and in, in, in your bank account and in your pocket, when, when your car is running well, when your job is going well, when all your coworkers like you when there's no trouble between your spouse and yourself or your kids are all listening and obedient or, or they're, they're doing good things and they're, they're thriving, it's easy to glorify God. It's easy to glorify God when you come to church and it's full of people and they're all excited to be there. Nobody has a bad attitude. It is easy to glorify God when, when, uh, when the person you voted for is in office and, and uh, they're passing all good legislation. It's easy to glorify God when when things are going the way you think or feel they should go. But that's not life. And there are times when it's like that, right? There are times when, when things are going well, and, uh, but the truth is life is not a mountaintop. It's a series of valleys and mountaintops. And we go through tribulation, we go through trials, and as we're going to see here in a moment, we can go through persecution. And while persecution here... Uh, does not look the same as, say, persecution in other countries or in times past. There can still be, and there will be, still persecution. It isn't always easy to, to, to glorify the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you can't glorify the Lord. In fact, we're, we're going to be commanded here in a moment to do exactly that. We're going to, we're going to look a little bit about what that means and what that looks like. Um, as we continue in our study of, of these commands of Christ, Jesus said whatsoever uh, to, were to go out and were to preach the gospel and those that are believed or should be baptized and then were to teach those whatsoever things Christ commanded us, commanded us before we can teach it to somebody else, we need to be living it. And uh, know what, what we need to understand. And not to say that we don't already know. These are all familiar texts. These are all things that we know, but sometimes the things that we no, kind of get filed away or forgotten. Or sometimes we just need to be reminded of so that when the time comes, because you, you may not be facing persecution right now, but I guarantee you, according to Paul and according to Christ, you will. So what does that look like? What do we do? And how do we, how do we respond in this world? How do we glorify God in persecution? Let's read the text again, five, chapter 5 of Matthew, uh, verses 10 through 12. And don't persecute me for wearing glasses. So verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. 
Father, we ask that you would uh, just bless this time in, our, in your word. God, I pray that you would speak through your word to our hearts. Lord, uh, empty me of myself, Lord. Uh, forgive anything that would hinder you, Lord. If, if there is anything there, Lord, uh, please forgive it, reveal it. I, I don't want there to be anything to hinder this. These truths to be preached in power, Lord. And it's not my power, Lord, it's yours. So, Lord, I'm relying upon you completely and wholly. I pray that you would bless this time, work in our hearts, Lord, Lord, we need you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This, this uh, is the last of the Beatitudes. It's an, the, a Beatitude is an, how we are to live our life. Uh, how as Christians, and we looked at, we beginning all the way back at the beginning, it says, blessed, blessed are they, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That, that poor in spirit is, is uh, the humility we are to have and as we come before the Lord and understanding that, that uh, we don't deserve this place that we have with God. We don't deserve our salvation. In fact, uh, looking at what poor really means in the picture of Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus was just a beggar, covered in sores, despised by the world, rejected by everybody, but begging and relying upon the goodness uh, of, of the rich man. Uh, and, and we are exactly the same spiritually. We are cast down, we are despised, we are unworthy, filthy, dirty, covered in sinful, wickedness sores. And we're relying upon the grace and mercy of God. And when we see ourselves like that, uh, we can come to God and, 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 and know that we're relying upon him and him only. And the next one, uh, verse 4 says, is the next one, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, and that, that humility brings us to a place of mourning. Because, uh, what, and it's talking about godly sorrow, not earthly sorrow. Because there's much earthly sorrow to go around. Uh, uh, death of loved ones, struggles, trials, problems in our lives. Everybody has them, saved or unsaved. And, and everybody sorrows. But God tells us, and Paul tells us in, in, in first or Second Corinthians, that godly sorrow bringeth forth repentance. And so this, this sorrow or this mourning is not a, a, just a sadness or a sorrowfulness for our situation that, we, that we're living in, but a sorrow for our sinfulness and our offense towards God. We see ourselves as we really are, and we mourn, and we ask for God's forgiveness. Uh, as as uh, Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, Woe is me, for I am undone. And it says, Blessed are, they, are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That meekness isn't weakness. That meekness is a yielding to a greater power than ourselves, a, a better power. I think of a horse when a, or, or a, an untamed animal uh, that has been tamed. Horses have always terrified me. They're big, they're strong. They, if they wanted to, they would pummel you. But you, you, you tame a horse, uh, not, through, not through beating it, not through starving it, but through earning its trust. And, and they, they come to trust you, and then they'll yield themselves to you. You'll be able to put a bridle on that horse. You'll be able to put a saddle on that horse and get on that horse and go for a ride. Right? That's, that's taming that horse, uh, or, and it's yielding itself to you. If it doesn't want you on there, good luck staying on there. Uh, but that's the same way the Holy Spirit of God works in us. He doesn't berate us. He doesn't beat us. He doesn't crush us or break our, break our souls or our spirits. What he does is he earns our trust because he is faithful. 
Amen? And he has done a good work in us. And while, uh, while, while we are not to be weak, we are to be meek and we're to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God who then works in us and through us, changing us and making us more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Then uh, it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And, and it's, uh, that, that hungering and thirsting after righteousness is, is not our own righteousness or not a, a, an ability to do righteousness. Uh, because there are good people in this world that would give you the shirt off their back, would feed a homeless person. Would, there, there are just some good people in this world. That doesn't save you. We, we understand that. But this, the righteousness that we should hunger and thirst after is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And as we hunger and thirst after Christ, his desire is to draw nigh unto us. The Bible says, draw nigh unto me and I'll draw nigh unto you. You hunger and thirst after Christ, you seek after him, the answer is right there. Ye shall be filled. That relationship will, uh, with Christ will satisfy you beyond anything else in this world. Nothing in this world can satisfy you like a relationship with Jesus Christ. It goes on in the next verse. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And uh, listen, we receive the mercy of God. We are to show that same mercy to others. It's not that they, uh, we're not to hold uh, uh, grudges or get angry or be unforgiving. That will turn into bitterness, but we're to, we're to show the same mercy that Jesus Christ showed us. In fact, uh, the Bible says that we receive uh, forgiveness as we forgive others. So it's important for us to remember that and to live that out in our lives. And we looked at blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. We talked about that just a couple weeks ago, and that's that undivided heart. Uh, a pure heart is one that is seeking solely after God. It's one that's not torn or divided between the world and God or anything else. We're not to have any other idols uh, that we put in God's place or even that we try to, to, to worship both or follow both. Because God says that we can't be friends with the world uh, and, and, and friends with God. It says we're at enmity with God if we're friends with the world. That, we're, uh, that we are at war with God if, if that's the case. The Bible says we can't serve two masters, but we love one and hate the other. We hold to one and despise the other. Uh, it's, it, it's one or nothing. We can't have, we cannot have both. And so we are to be pure of heart, where we seek after God and God alone. Uh, that is the greatest, the best and greatest commandment, the first and greatest commandment. Blessed are the peacemakers. We talked about this last week. We are to be at peace. We are to not just peace with God, but we are to make peace. Now, we don't make peace with God. Christ made peace for us with the Father. He's the one that reconciled us to the Father. But we are to make peace with others. We are to live peaceably. We covered verse after verse after verse after verse last week on how we are to, to make peace and live at peace and to pray for others so that we can, we're to pray th for those in our authority uh, in Timothy, that we can live at peaceably. And, and how do we do that? Well, by showing kindness and goodness and love and forgiveness by preaching the word. Because sometimes people that want war there's, the only thing we can do is present the word and let the word of God bring peace to their hearts. It's a work of God, not a man. Today we're looking at verse 10, and this is again the, the last one. It says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. What is persecution? It means to be pursued, harassed, troubled, molested, or mistreated. If you were to ask the, uh, almost anybody today, it's almost like there is a, 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 a 
a point system on, 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 on victimhood. Uh, we, everybody wants to be a, a, a part of, well, I want to be a victim for this or a victim for that, and, and I identify as this or I identify as that, or because I'm this, I'm victimized, because I'm that, I'm victimized. The truth is, we're all victimized. And, 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 and I'm not trying to downplay the plight of, of those who have suffered persecution because of their race or because of the way they look or because of the way or where they live. I'm not trying to downplay all that. But, what, but, but notice what he said. Blessed are they that are persecuted. Happy. That's not the response of most people when they're persecuted, when they're harassed, when they're pursued. When they're troubled, when they're molested, when they're mistreated, uh, uh, typically it is, woe is me, look at me, uh, I feel bad for me, or how are you going to make this right? But that's not what we're called to do. This is blessed, happy, blessed. But notice the second part of that. Blessed are they which are persecuted for what? Uh, for righteousness' sake. See, there are a lot of people that are persecuted because of their poor work ethic. I'm just being persecuted at work. My boss is just so mean to me, I can't believe uh, he would treat me like the way he does. My wife is persecuting me. You wouldn't believe uh, the things that she says to me. Maybe it's time that we start looking at the way, the choices that we make or the way that we're living our lives, and understand that we'll only be blessed if we're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, here in the U.S., we're not, uh, I'm not going to say we're not persecuted. Persecution can look and in, in, in be uh, in many different ways. If uh, somebody who's saved is mocked or made fun of, guess what? That's persecution. And there were times in, 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 in Jesus' day where that was the case. Uh, there were times when they were treated, mistreated, or looked down upon. I think of the, uh, of the disciples when they ate uh, and they didn't wash their hands. The, the, the Pharisees were like, oh, they, they, they didn't wash their hands. Uh, how could they do that? And, and what did God, Jesus Christ, back them up and said, it's, it's not what you put into your mouth that defiles man, but what comes out of your mouth. And then he explained to the disciples, it's the things that you do, the, the anger, the murder, the idolatry. That, those are the things that will defile a man, but eating with dirty hands is, will defile a man. What happened? They were persecuted. Christ was persecuted on a regular basis. Now, not all the time. There won't always be persecution. There were times when Jesus wasn't persecuted. Not that they didn't want to persecute him. They just weren't there. There, there were times when he was followed and was, was praised. There were, there were times when he was exalted and, and people came to him. But uh, your life is going to be, at, at times, a, a, a roller coaster of highs and lows, of times when, when things just, everything's going great, and life is good, and God is blessing, and, and, and the people around you are, are happy with you. And then you're going to have times when you go through difficulties. Just because you're going through a difficulty doesn't mean it's persecution. But there will be those times. There will be times when, when, when you're having a hard time at work. But so isn't everybody else. Because things at work are bad. That doesn't make it persecution. Notice what it says, persecuted for righteousness' sake. Verse 11 says, blessed are ye which, when, when and this, is, this will give us an idea of what persecution looked like, when men shall revile you. That word revile means to defame, to rail, to chide. 
They're, they're, they're talking to you face to face. And they're, 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 they're making fun of you. They're, they're belittling you because of your faith, your belief. And that happens today. Go knocking on doors and, or trying to talk to somebody about, the, about Christ or the gospel and, and, or about, about sin or any more. You don't have to talk about even godly things. You can talk about politics and be derailed and chided. But it's only when we're persecuted for righteousness' sake that, that it says we're blessed. So, so when, when, when that happens, that, that's persecution. But not only is it reviling or, or that, that verbal uh, attack that we see there, it says, blessed, it says uh, men shall revile you and persecute you. That's the physical abuse. And we don't see a whole lot of that here. It does, it does not mean it doesn't happen. Uh, they, they may throw something at you. They, uh, I've heard of people having, uh, uh, actually this happened back in Ohio. Uh, we used to do uh, street preaching once, oh, once or twice in the summer, we'd go out and, and uh, we would go out there and somebody threw a milkshake at us. They were driving by. That's physical persecution. Uh, we all we talked about uh, the uh, last week of how we're to respond uh, and, and how we can uh, we can uh, be a peacemaker. And we talked about Cheru who uh, was beaten uh, while, while he preached the gospel. And every time they hit him, he said, "I love you." Doesn't make humanly sense. Uh, he did it through the grace of God uh, in his life, but but uh, that was physical abuse. Imprisonment can be abuse. When I when I say that, uh, it can be a can be persecution. Uh, if you were to be arrested for your faith, it, it doesn't happen so much here in our country, but it has happened in the past, and I believe it will happen again someday in the future. Maybe in our lifetime, maybe in the next in the next generation. I don't I don't know, but it will happen someday. We know it will. The Bible says that the, that the times are waxing worse and worse. So, so that persecution is going to come. So, uh, but it's saying that that, that verbal uh, in your face, where they're the, the, where they're talking at you, uh, whether they spit on you, whether they throw things water on you, whether they punch you like like a true or beaten, where he was beaten, uh, or, or whether you're thrown in prison, that's the persecution it's talking about there in verse number eleven. It also says, "And shall say all manner of evil against you." That's about they're they're they're, they're and it says falsely, by the way. Make sure, make sure you read that, that correctly. Because they may be saying evil against you, but if it's right, that's not persecution. That's just them telling the truth. But uh, when it's talking about those that are bearing false witness, those that are going about maybe writing an article about you or the church. Or uh, I, I think of uh, the governor who got up uh, down in Massachusetts last year and, and blasted the church uh, because they opened their doors. That was that he was bearing false testimony about that church. Uh, uh, he, that those are the types of things that that would, would that, that would fall under, and that will happen someday. It happened to Jesus. If you don't, if you don't remember, when they, when they arrested Christ, they brought in people to, to stand up and to speak lies about him. Right? And, and so, so those are the types of things that are, persecution, that, that are considered persecution. It says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Those that are persecuted, those that are reviled. Look at verse 12. <laughs> Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets 
which were before you. This is hard. This is a hard truth for us to learn. First of all, he says, when you're persecuted. You know what that tells me? You will be persecuted. It will happen. It, 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 it says, it, it says uh, where did I write the, the verse down? It says that all men, in 2 Timothy chapter 3.12, that all men, all of us, will be persecuted in Christ Jesus. All who live godly. If you're living for Christ, you will be persecuted. In fact, in Luke chapter 6, verse 26, he says, he said, woe unto you if they don't speak evil of you for my sake. Because that's what they did with the false teachers. If all they ever do is praise you, listen, we all like to be praised. But if all the world, and listen, understand, we're talking about the world and those that, who hate Christ and those who, who, who uh, reject God. Uh, if all they do is praise everything that you do and say, that's what they did for the false teachers back in the, in, in the Old Testament. Why? Because they, 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 they only wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. We, we need to be careful that we don't find ourselves in that position. Now, that doesn't mean we go around trying to stir up trouble or trying to do things or say things in a way that, that brings about uh, a response of anger. There's, there are, there's a right way to be a witness and a wrong way to be a witness. There's a right way to live for God and a wrong way to, to live pretending that you're living for God. Uh, there are those that will, will march at, that will march at funerals and hold up signs saying they're glad that that person died because, right, it's happened. And they say they're doing it in the name of God. And there's a lot of hatred that comes their way. That is not persecution. What they're doing is wicked and evil. But if you don't get a job, or you're, you're set back in your job because of your faith, if you're mocked by your family because your life is different, if, you, if, if, if your friends forsake you because you love Christ, that's persecution. If you're talked about behind your back, if lies are spread, you're living for God, but people are making up false lies about you, that's persecution. And the Bible tells us our response is not to be anger. Our response is not to be it's not to be revenge. Our response is not to be uh, anything like that. In fact, verse 12 says we're to rejoice. It doesn't make sense to us. But I want you to understand a few things here. First of all, the joy in suffering or rejoicing in suffering is, is a divine grace of God. We cannot do it without God's grace. Look with me at Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 55, we find the apostles here. They have, oh, sorry, we find Stephen here. And Stephen is in the midst of being persecuted. He's preaching the truth of the gospel to men who don't want to hear it. The Bible says they gnashed on him with their teeth, they drug him out of town, and now they're stoning him. 
But notice what he says here in verse 50, what it says here in verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand. And, uh, and they stoned him to death. Now, how, in the same passage, he says, lay not this sin to their charge. How did he have joy? It says he saw Christ. How did, he, how did all this happen? It started out with being full of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are these. Love, joy, peace. The second fruit is joy. It's, it's a result of being filled and yielded, or meek, right, uh, to, to, to the Holy Spirit. And so, so in those times of, of difficulty, in those times of persecution, the, the Spirit will fill us with joy. There are accounts of, 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 of people who have been arrested and beaten. And there's one, I was, I was reading it today, actually. Uh, it was a Romanian pastor uh, who, was, who was taken and, uh, and, uh, while the Romanian was under communism, and he was thrown into jail. And they would starve him. And every day or two, they would take him out of, the, out of the cell, and they'd take him to a torture chamber, and they'd cut off parts of his flesh, parts of his body, and then they'd put him back in that thing to, to starve. And then they'd bring him back out, and they'd cut off another part of his flesh, all trying to get him to denounce uh, Christ, to, to turn and, and to, to subject himself to communism and to reject Christ. And it says that there were times that he would be so filled with joy of the Holy Spirit while he was in that place uh, that, that he would get up and dance in his cell for joy. It makes no sense to you or I. He was so moved by that experience that when he eventually finally got out and and would at least go home, do you know what he did? He fasted for the first two days to thank God for what he had done and and brought him through. He hadn't eaten in weeks. Well, it's two more days, I guess. But why did he do it? Because God gave him joy. He didn't try to do that on his own strength. Any one of us that tried to do that on our own strength, guess what? We would have have folded in the first day. The first time they pulled out a knife, we were like, you know what? I'm done. Hail Hitler, whoever he is. That's what we would have done. By the way, don't take that, make that a cut. Uh, as a joke. Uh, we're, on, we're online. We, but we would have, in our flesh, we would have done whatever we needed to do. But in the spirit of God, we can stand up. We can rest in God. And we can have joy in the midst of persecution. It's a grace of God. It's not our own strength. It's not what we can do. It's what God does in us. Do you really think Stephen had it in him beside the Holy Spirit to be able to ask God to forgive them? No. And they weren't just mocking him. He wasn't just losing out on a promotion at work. It wasn't like his family was just disowning him. No, they were literally picking up stones and chucking them at his head, trying to end his life. And while he was being brutally murdered, his faith. He saw the Lord. There was joy in that. There was peace in that. Not because he was crazy, but because he was filled with the Spirit. Joy and suffering is a divine grace of God, but it's also a discipline. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We all know the, 
the verse. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll look at verse 18. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This isn't a suggestion. In fact, neither was Matthew 5, uh, where it says, says uh, that we're to rejoice. Those aren't suggestions. They're commands. Discipline means uh, that it's something that there are times when we have to make ourselves do it. Times when we don't feel like it. For the last six weeks, uh, five weeks, I'm going on six weeks, I've been exercising five days a week. I don't always feel like exercising. I'm, lift, I'm lifting uh, heavy weights, and Friday, just for our date nights for the last several weeks now, Jess and I go to the gym where we sweat, we don't talk, and it's a great date. <laughs> I, t- I, t- I told her this last Friday, I said, I didn't, it's, it's today's leg day, and it's the end of the day. We, I, I spent the day roller skating with the kids. My legs are tired. I don't want to do this. It's a discipline. And there's a lot of things that we need to be disciplined in in our life. But joy in the midst of suffering, joy in the midst of persecution, that's a discipline too. Now, I'm not saying we'll feel joy, though we can. But we are to rejoice. We are to give thanks. You think Paul and Silas, feet and hands in the stocks, Backs bloody from the, from the whips, ribs bruised, because I'm sure the jailers weren't nice to them, put them in there. Maybe bang their head in the cell. I don't know how all that works. Uh, I can sure, I'm sure it wasn't like it is today when you go to jail where, they have to be, where they're worried about lawsuits. Uh, they, don't, they didn't treat their prisoners well. Do you think they felt like being joyful? But at midnight, bones, body sore, they lifted up their voices and they praised God. Why? What's that verse say? 518? In everything, give thanks. Why? Because I feel like it. No. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's a discipline because it's God's will for our lives. That no matter what our circumstances, persecution or tribulation, right? It's God's will for us to be thankful in those times. It's his desire. Why? Because remember what we said, our, our lives are to glorify God. Instead of, instead of saying, woe is me, instead of saying, why, why, why are these things happening, instead, instead of complaining and murmuring, which is what we normally do when we go through difficult times, uh, put it on Facebook or we tell everybody that we know, whatever it is, uh, uh, instead of doing that, we're to glorify God in the middle of it. It's a discipline. It's doing something that we don't necessarily feel like doing, but we know it's good for us, and we know it's right. Joy and suffering is a divine grace of God. It is a discipline. But I also want us to to remember this. It's a, a result of having a redeemed mind. See, my earthly mind, when something bad happens to me, is to lash out or to strike back. 
I don't like to be spit on. And having worked, nobody, nobody likes that, right? But that is a trigger for me. If we're, if we're going to use the word trigger, the word trigger, that is, for me is a trigger. Um, one of those things where if it happens, it is, uh, I become indignant. I become almost instantly, I almost instantly see red. Now, I'm not saying I should. That's my flesh's response to those things, right? Uh, but it, it has been that way for a long time. And working in EMS was a terrible, terrible place to work if you didn't want to be spit on. You would think if they called 911 that they would actually want you there, but that wasn't always the case. There were times when, when they would fight back. There were times when, and I don't mean fight back because I'm fighting them, I'm trying to help them and they're fighting back. Uh, I've been punched, I've been bitten, I've been spit on, I've been vomited on, I've, been, I've had a lot of things happen to me doing that. I'm thankful I don't do that anymore. Nobody spits on, at least nobody around here, please don't start. <laughs> that doesn't happen so much anymore. But, but, but my physical response, my, my fleshly response is to return in kind. Not that I ever spit back at anybody because we weren't allowed to. But I was very happy to, put a mask, to, to strap their arms down and then put a mask on the face so they couldn't spit on me anymore. I enjoyed that. It was even... There was one, there was one person, that's off topic, I'll just leave it alone. We'll, we'll move on. <laughs> what did Jesus tell us to do when those types of things happened? Not just rejoice. If we get struck in the cheek, what are we supposed to do? Now, not in a way, go ahead, try it again, No. We'll allow them to strike us again. Turn the other cheek. If we're told, to, uh, we, uh, uh, this is later on, and we'll, we'll get to it uh, here in our study sometime in the next two years. <laughs> but but uh, if we're told to carry somebody's coat for a mile, or, to, or their, their, their things for a mile, we're to carry it for two miles. You know, that doesn't make any sense. The law back then was that the Romans, could, the Roman soldiers could force the Jews to carry uh, something for one mile. They, you could be working, you could be uh, doing your job on the side of the road, and a Roman soldier said, hey, you, carry this. And you'd have to carry it. That was the law. And, and Jesus, what Jesus said was, if they do that, if they come to you and say, you need to carry this for a mile, say, I'll go another mile with you. Why? Because it's a complete, completely out of the ordinary. Nobody in their right mind would do it. It's, it. We're to live our lives differently. So when we're persecuted, we're to respond differently than the rest of the world. And while I see the rest of the world, and Christians sadly, complain and murmur and get into debates and, and, and fights, and listen, that, that's not us. It shouldn't be us. It's, it is a discipline, but it's a, it's a result of a redeemed mind. Look at James chapter 1. It's a result of the work of God in our lives. James chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. It's a proof of our salvation. Blessed is the man who endureth temptation. Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed is the man that is persecuted. It is a proof of our salvation. Because it is not our natural response. It's not our natural response. 
our natural response is vengeance. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In fact, you take mine, I'll take two. Right? I make it hurt just enough you don't want to do it again. That's my natural response. But it's not a godly response. Jesus didn't respond in kind. The Bible says that, that, uh, that, uh, that like a sheep uh, that was led to the shears, he opened not his mouth. He could have had a whole lot to say when they were, when they were punching him in the face, when they were blindfolding, when they were ripping his beard. He could have said a lot. Instead, he stayed silent. It's not natural, but it is a, a, a result of our salvation because God renews our mind. God redeems us, changes us. That which is old is, is, is passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're that new creature, and not out of our own decisions, and not because I've decided to turn over a new leaf or I'm just going to respond that way. We can't. It's not of us. It's of God. Not only is it, is it a result of a, uh, not only is it a, proof of our salvation, but because of it, there's a reward in heaven. We see that here in James chapter 1, verse 12. He says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There will be rewards in heaven. I understand, God sees what we're going through. And he sees how we, how we respond. And if our lives re, re, result in God's glory, even especially in the midst of persecution, God will reward us for that. Matthew chapter 5 went on to say there in verse 12, Rejoice me, exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. The word reward uh, is not just uh, not some ribbon you're going to hang on your wall. It, it's, it's saying it's, it's, it's your payment. Our wages of sin was, 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 was pay, uh, death was the wages of our sin, our payment. The reward for our persecution is those rewards in heaven. Thirdly, I see here, because of that redeemed mind, it aligns us with Jesus Christ. Persecution aligns us with Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, what did Paul say in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10? Let's take a look at it. That I might know him, if I remember correctly. It says, helps him in Philippians and not in Ephesians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him, who? Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. They hated Christ. They persecuted Christ. They'll persecute us too. How do we have joy in suffering? Because it makes us closer, it brings us closer to Christ. And not just the fact that we are persecuted for his sake or for righteousness' sake, but who is with us through that persecution? Christ. So, uh, the, the, those that have the greatest relationship with God are those that have suffered the deepest trials, tribulations, and suffering. Why? Because God was with them through it all. As a, there, there's a pastor friend of mine, and, and he... He loves the Lord. He has always loved the Lord. But he went through, Brother Peterman, actually, David Peterman, we prayed for him when his wife was, was diagnosed with cancer. And I believe it was seven or nine months later, she passed away. What a difficult time 
And in that time, as hard as it was, and this wasn't persecution, but it was suffering. In that time, he drew closer to God than he had ever been. And he's closer to God now because of it. Listen, it's not that we want to go through those things. It's not that we want to suffer persecution. But there is a a, a blessing in that. Uh, There's a joy in the fact that we draw closer to Christ because we're aligned with him. We're we're part of that fellowship of suffering. And again, we we, we come to know him better. There's a, a more intimate relationship with Christ because of that, because he's there with us through it all. It's hidden and brings us through We can also be joyful in suffering because it produces perseverance. Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 verses 3 and 4. We'll start reading verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom Also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given us. That tribulation, that persecution, brings about a perseverance or endurance in our lives. James 1 says the same, same thing. That it brings forth patience, which is endurance. Again, I don't know that any one of us have really suffered severe persecution. But what I learned historically is that persecution always strengthens the church. Always. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't thin out the herd, but thinning out the herd strengthens the church. There are those that that can't endure that persecution, and they they go off. They're either not strong in their faith or they're not saved at all. Uh, uh, But those that stay, those that endure, they they grow closer to God. They grow stronger in their faith, and they begin. They're able to endure. Now, that doesn't mean they, that they make it past the persecution. There are times when that persecution ends their life here on this earth, but they still persevere. They still persevere. In fact, uh, looking back at history and reading the Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you've never read it, read it. it I mean, some of the things are terrifying you know, that they've had to go through, the, the persecution real persecution that they suffered. And listen, that stuff still ha- some of that stuff still happens in other places, uh, in other countries. Uh, but but uh, I want you to understand, as they were going through that, uh, the Christians under, under Nero were, were used as torches, uh, burnt. Uh, their bodies were used as torches. Uh, they, 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 John, uh, or not John, Isaiah was sawed in sunder. Uh, but that, that, was, that was early on. All of the apostles, minus, minus John, died a martyr's death. And John was boiled in oil before he was put on the island of Patmos, which is a prisoner colony. And listen, they all suffered persecution. But you know what they did? They did not give up. One of my favorite accounts in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, not because of what the, this poor young woman had to go through, but I see myself in her. Because we, we would all like to say, well, I would never turn my back on Christ. 
And I hope to say, I hope to be able to say that that is the truth. But until that happens to me, I don't know what I'd do. But this young woman, uh, in, her, in her teens, really, uh, she was arrested and, and put on the, the, the racks. And if you know what the racks are, they would strap your arms uh, above your head and they'd strap your legs to this thing and then they would turn a crank and it would stretch you. And we're not made like Gumby. And well, they would stretch her until her, her, her ligaments and, and, and would begin to tear. And she would cry out and say, I, I relent, I relent. And they'd release it. And she'd fall to the ground sobbing when they unhooked her. And then she'd look up and she goes, I don't relent. And they'd put her back on the rack. And they'd start cranking away. Joints would begin to come undone and our elbows and our shoulders would, would pop out of place and she'd scream out and cry out and they'd release her again and sobbing, not because of the pain, but because she had turned her back on her Lord. She said, no, put me out again. Over and over again, the pain would overcome her and she would fall to it. And, and every time she said, no, no, I don't relent. It was just the pain until she died from it. I don't know what I would do, and I, I, I never know what, but I do know the grace of God, just like her, would bring me through it. But it brings about a perseverance in our lives. Joy in suffering enables us to comfort others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and 3 and 4, it says that God is the God of all comforts. It goes on to say that, that uh, the greater the, 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 the tribulation or trial or trouble that we're in, the greater the comfort that God will give us. But then it says in verse 4 that, 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 that we're able then to comfort others who are going through the same thing. We had a miscarriage a few years ago, seven years ago now. Wasn't shortly long. That was a rough time for, for my wife and I. And we never questioned God. I mean, we we were sad. We grieved, but we never turned our backs on Him. It was a hard time. Why would God let this happen? Three weeks later, a young couple a young couple reached out to us. Same thing was going on in their lives. I don't know why God let it happen to us, but God was able to use that. And has, since then, a few other times, been able to minister and comfort somebody who went through the same thing. As we, we go through that persecution, we're able then to strengthen others. That was that, that's what that word comfort, it doesn't mean that we, we could console. Uh, it means to, to, uh, to uplift and to, to strengthen. There's to be joy in the midst of persecution. So what does that mean for us then in, in this beatitude? We, we understand that if we live this life that Christ has called us to live, to live in Matthew chapter 5 as, as a result of the work of God in our lives, what does that mean for us? Well, we will be persecuted. <laughs> Notice the word when. When ye are persecuted. Again, it may not look like it did in Fox's Book of Martyrs, but then again, it will again one day. We will be persecuted. But we'll look at it in a different light. 
than hopefully we would have before. Look at Second Corinthians chapter four seventeen. Instead of looking at it as a burden to bear, instead of looking at it as a, an attack or something that will ultimately destroy us, look at Second Corinthians chapter four, verse. 16 and 17. Oh, let's start at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. They're talking about their outward man perishing, and we know that Paul ultimately lost his life. He suffered more than any one of us have ever suffered. Between beatings, arrest, being arrested, being lied about, Cast into prison, shipwrecked, bitten by snakes. I mean, the, even the snakes were against him. But notice what he calls it in verse 17. Light affliction. We never look at affliction as light. <laughs> we look at it as oppressive and overbearing and will crush us. But he calls it light. Why? Because on the scale of the troubles that we face here on this earth and the, the glory that we're going to receive in heaven, the rewards and the eternal joy that, we'll, that we will have, it is light. And if we have a, a heavenward and heaven-bound thought process, a redeemed mind, if you would, and our eyes are on eternity, the things that we face on this earth, no matter how terrible, no matter how painful, no matter how difficult, no matter how fatal, in comparison, will be as nothing. That's why he could say, though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. One last passage, First Peter, chapter 3. Start reading verse 8. It says, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one another, Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. He's saying, don't return evil for evil. 
but return good for evil. Don't return railings, but return blessings. Uh, he's saying respond to your persecution. Respond to the, those attacks uh, with, with the, in the way that Christ responded to those things. Now it says in verse, verse, verse 13, And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? And listen, there are those, let's be, let's be frank, there are those that will harm you. Satan, is, his desire is to destroy you on this earth. Uh, God, uh, Paul described him as a, 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 a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. He is our adversary. Uh, he does want to destroy you. There are those that will want to harm you. And listen, it's not just a spirit. It is a spiritual battle, but it, it, it works its way into the physical realm when there are those who, who are not saved, those that are of this world, who will then ultimately attack us. Why? Because they reject God. And if they reject God and they hate Christ, guess what? They're going to hate us too. So if you're passing out a track, you might get a, a dirty look. Somebody might say, I don't want that trash. Or, or they may call you some kind of name. Or, or they might even spit at you or throw something at you. You never know what's going to happen in this world anymore. But what I want to tell you is they might harm you. But look what it says next. It says, but, verse 14, and if you suffer for righteousness sake, and notice it's for righteousness sake, not just because, but if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Happy are ye. Joy. Rejoice. And be not afraid of their terror, their threats. Neither be troubled. Don't be worried. Uh, don't be afraid. Don't be so concerned with the things of this world and how, it will how they will affect you. And that doesn't mean we won't be fearful of persecution, but in light of the Spirit and in the working of the Spirit, we'll rejoice. But here, here's, it says what we're to do instead of being troubled, and this is how to prepare ourselves. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. It means set him aside. Be prepared. In fact, it says be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We use this verse all the time, saying, no, you should be ready to be a witness. Be ready to be a witness. That's not what it's saying. We should be ready to be a witness. We should be going forth to be a witness. But guess what? They're not, they're not just going to come up to you and ask you most of the time. Most of the time, you're going to have to go out and tell somebody because they're, they're, they're blinded to the gospel. The, the gospel's been hid. Satan is in control of their lives. And somebody's going to go and have to... Give it, give it to them. But here it says, if they're threatening you, if they're harming you, if they're persecuting you, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer for the reason of the hope that is within you. How would they know that there's hope in you? By the response to the persecution. When Cheru was punched time after time after time, and every time he responded with, is either I love you or God loves you, or Jesus loves you, or thank you. That's what it was. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. He said, thank you. They were confused. And the Spirit of God began to do a work. And what happened? According to his testimony, according to the, the book that, we, that, that, uh, that they, they brought, they turned themselves in. Several of them came and got saved because they saw a difference in him. 
and they said, how could you do that? The, the, there's a, a movie that came out. Anita had tagged me. I'd seen it before, already. I'd seen the, the, the trailer for it. We watched it. Great movie called Sabina. It's about uh, the wife of, uh, yes, with, with Richard Warb, whatever his last name is. Is a Christian, uh, a Christian who was persecuted for being, uh, for his faith. But in that, her reaction to the man who killed her family is what brought him to Christ. Because instead of getting angry and beating him and, and, and trying to hurt him or get some act, enact some kind of, re, of revenge, you know what she did? She walked out, she embraced him. How did she do that? The grace of God. She responded to that persecution in love. And what did it do? It caused him to say, why, what have I done? He goes on to say, First Peter 3 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that is within you, with meekness of fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better that the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing and for evil-doing. May we live our lives in a way that invites persecution for righteousness' sake. If you're not living for God, they will not persecute you. Woe, according to Luke chapter, Luke chapter 6, woe unto you if that's the case. Now, listen, we, we don't live in a country right now where they're going to stone us or beat us or kick us out of our houses or any of those things. I hope my kids never see that. But there's no guarantee of that. In fact, we are in the last days. So they may. It terrifies me to think about what our kids might have to go through. I'm not so worried, I'm not concerned about me, but it terrifies about me about what my kids might have to go through. But listen, those truths that work for us, they'll work for my kids too. Understand that God will bring us through. It is better for us to be persecuted for righteousness' sake than to be loved by the world. God help us to live for Christ in a way that invites their persecution in the right way. Father, I thank you for this day. I ask, Lord, that you'd help us. Help us to live like Christ, to respond like Christ. I know that, uh, that one day we will all face persecution of some sort as your, as your children. God, I pray that we're living our lives in a way that, that, uh, that glorifies you, that would bring that about. God, I pray that in that, that you would strengthen us and help us to live for you. That we might cause others to then ask the question why we're responding the way we are. Father, we want to glorify you with our whole life, with everything that we do. Whether in good times or whether in persecution. Lord, help us to be joyful. Help us to, to, to be thankful. Lord, help us to bring glory to your name. We thank you for all that you've done. Lord, we, we ask for your help because we need it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.